My name is Phil Mendoza, and this is a championship bow hunting podcast fueled by Mountain Ops. Join me and my guests as we give you bow hunting tips to take your preparation to the next level. Welcome back to the podcast. This is episode 61. I'm going to start off by sending a shout out to today's episode partner, and that's Hoyt Archery. Check them out at Hoyt.com. A uh, couple housekeeping items before we get into a listener question today. First off, if you happen to be looking for some supplementation, check out our show partner, Mountain Ops. They have a promo code for us, Alpha. If you check in, if you type in Alpha at checkout, you'll get an extra percentage off your order there. In addition to that, uh, the good folks at Maven have given our listeners an exclusive uh, bonus, if you will. If you're buying any set of Maven Optics, which I would highly recommend, I'm very impressed with mine, uh, type in Alpha Gift at checkout, and they're going to get you an extra gift with uh, your purchase of Mavens. Lastly, you know, if you haven't subscribed to our newsletter, make sure you subscribe. We have another newsletter going out this week for basically kind of recapping last month, talking about the upcoming events for April. Uh, we also have a couple. I, I, I pulled out two uh, Mountain Ops gift card winners for for the month of March. Uh, we do. We will be bringing back the the new T-shirt designs. So um, have a couple T-shirt designs. We're going to be loading this month. It should be up by the end of the week as well. Uh, one more announcement: If you haven't, if you're going to be in the Denver area, or you're you're considering checking out the Alpha Bow Hunting Challenge that will be May 28th and 29th. Pre-registration is now open. Uh, take you'll get a few bucks off if you register early. So getting into today's question from Matt Fedig. Matt has a question, uh, and it's it's a really good question. It's kind of a complicated question. There's a couple parts to it, but I'm going to try to do my best to to pick one part of it out today and, and answer that. But Matt, we will be giving you a, a T-shirt for submitting a question. So I'm going to just kind of dive into part of Matt's question here and it says coming from the gun world I'm baffled that there are no two-stage trigger releases with a crisp sear like you would see in competition rifle and a rifle trigger also from what he's been reading everyone says you want to be surprised by the shot in competition archery is there something about the physics of a shot in archery that prevents a crisp trigger from being accurate or do ar- archers not want to learn proper trigger control uh, he follows that up by saying it might be an in- ignorant question, so forgive him, but everyone he's asked has uh, not been able to give him a satisfactory answer. It's just the engineer in him, the curious engineer in him. Matt, I want to start out by saying thanks for the question. There is no ignorant questions. Uh, I'm, I'm going to give you my perspective. Hopefully it's a little bit better answer than, than um, you, you're expecting or you may have received in the past. Um, I'm going to start off by just quickly talking about the trigger styles out there. And this is something, release selection and release choice with fitness and, and train-to-hunt style events, alpha bow hunting challenge style events, uh, is is something that I will be implementing further along the, along the line. But, you know, most the most common style of release, when you go to your sporting goods store or any pro shop, you're gonna, most people are going to put a, a caliper style index finger release in your hand. It's basically the two jaws that open when you squeeze a trigger. Um, some downsides to that kind of trigger are there's a lot of trigger travel as the, the components internally that that operates the, that caliper style um, create 
travel, create trigger travel. And there's, there's some that are a little bit better than others, but they are on the entry level side of the triggers. They do, there are some, some very nice crisp sear style triggers on the market. Uh, one that I like that I, I usually have in my, in my pack as, as a backup release is the one from Hamskin. It's a drop time release. You can adjust tension. You can adjust trigger travel. Very nice release. Carter also has some really good ones. Um, those releases start to be in that 125 to 150 plus dollar price range. So they're definitely you're paying for a better item, which I do highly recommend. If you like the index finger style uh, of trigger, you pr- you look into one of those uh, those higher end releases. There's also a pull through style release or tension release, like like the Hamski Breakthrough, uh, the Carter Revolution. Um, Stanislavski has one. Those are set with a spring based off the, you have to set the weight based off what your holding weight is. Usually you set those uh, a pound or two heavier than what your holding weight is. And had they have a safety, once you get back to full draw, you release the safety and then you start to push pull into the shot. And the shot breaks based off once it builds poundage. I really like a pull through style or tension style release for training. Um, The last style release is a hinge. And I think that I would say, my opinion, the closest style release, Matt, you're going to find to a two-stage trigger is going to be a hinge set with a click. Uh, essentially what that does, you, if you're not familiar with the hinge or back tension, what it's also called, it's a half moon where the little sear hits, it slides along that moon when you're, when you're pulling and, or you're squeezing, and once it finds the edge of that moon, it releases the shot. The, the clicker is basically a little groove that's grooved in right right before the end of that. So once you get to that kind of close to the breaking point, it hits on that click, makes a little sound and before it'll break. A lot of people use that type of release when they're starting with a back tension release. I personally don't like it. I have used it in the past, and I think it's, it's great to try it both ways. Um... But what that does, it'll tell you where you are in your shot. So if you want to use a hinge-style release with a little bit more control, some people like that because they can get back, get anchored, almost start squeezing till they hit the click, and then they, they really bear down and focus that last second or two of, of aiming, focusing that in, into their shot before it breaks. I would say that's probably your closest the closest thing to a two-stage trigger from a rifle design, and I'm not a rifle guy. I, I, I know a little bit about a little bit, enough to be dangerous, but knowing how a two-stage trigger works on a rifle, that's that's what I would say is the closest design. Um, you know, what, what when you talk about trigger control and proper proper release execution, it's, it's a very slippery slope. Um... There are some shooters that shoot a uh, command-style shot like Tim Gillingham, and they do it very, very well. The problem that I see with many archers is uh, the anxiety that creeps in. Some people develop target panic because when you're drawing, when you're holding your bow, you've got it under constant tension. Not only the mass weight of the bow in your hand, but you've also got that 10, 12, 15, 20 pounds of holding weight that you're... uh, you're pushing and pulling and you're holding that at full draw. So with that, you've automatically introduced some muscle movement and some people that can shoot a really uh, low shoulder, I would say more target style form, more more what you see in recurve, competitive recurve shooting. Um, 
some of those shooters have really eliminated a lot of the muscle to, to stabilize and they're doing more bone on bone and just getting it as, as steady as they can. I think that proper stabilization, I think that practice, proper bow fit, draw length is huge in that case. They can add or minimize uh, pin movement. So once you've gotten your setup um, to where you're shooting, you're going to see movement in your pin, whether it's a pin, whether it's a fiber optic pin, a dot, whatever it is, you're going to see movement as you're aiming. And what starts to get people in trouble is when they start to anticipate a shot. Their pin will be moving left to right, for example, and they want to execute that shot right when it hits the center of the dot. And I think that one of the problems that arises from that when you talk about rifle, competitive rifle or pistol shooting to archery is once that hammer hits the, the, the round in a rifle or a pistol, it's, it's thousands of a second and that, that bullet's gone. In archery, when you hit that trigger, there is, it's, it's not thousands of a second anymore. Now it's more tenths of a second and the shooter can still very much influence the shot. So I think less people can shoot command style shooting in archery accurately. The people that can do it that, that are they're not mental midgets like myself because I can't shoot a command style shot. I can do it for so long and then my mind gets the better of me. And I deal with anxiety when I shoot a command style of shot. Like I said, guys like Tim Gillingham that can do that. Um, they're just, whether it's, whether it's thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands of arrows and practice and a, a stronger mental approach to that game. I don't know what it is. I can't tell you that much of it. I can tell you that, I can do it very well for a short period of time, and then it falls apart. So I have, uh, you know, stepped. I've sidestepped release selection to the pull through and the hinge style releases to where I can execute more of that surprise style shot. And what it helps me do is it helps me aim. And when you talk, when people talk about a surprise shot, I think the better way to experience a surprise shot is with a pull through initially because. If you're truly fighting with your pin for the center of that target and you've got good uh, back tension or you've got your, your you've got good tension on the back end of your release, you'll it'll it'll you know you'll get it to where it fires if it's set properly. And if you learn what just strictly aiming is and fighting for the center of that target, and then that shot breaks and it's like I said, it is that surprise shot. Um, if you're continuously fighting for the center then what most people see is that even if their pin is swooping off the target, but they keep fighting for the center and swooping off and they keep fighting for the center, more times than not, the pin, the, the arrow is going to be closer to the center because as opposed to an up-to-down movement, for example, if you're moving your pin from the bottom and you're coming up and you, you don't time it exactly right, well, you're already just going on one continuous up-swooping motion, and that arrow may be four to eight inches out the top if you didn't time it right. As opposed to when you're aiming and you're really focusing on aiming, that pin may be closer to the center, and even if it swoops out a little bit, you're still fighting for the center, you're bringing it back in. And that's, I guess, one of the better ways I can try to explain it is if you're focusing on the aiming and less on the execution of when to fire, then that surprise shot uh, happens, and it, it's, a cleaner, it's a cleaner end result. Um, a couple things that, and I guess I already touched on that, but it's, it's really, I think that that's some of the biggest issue is, again, most people, they, they deal with, with uh, trying to anticipate and, and, and time it. And when you have the movement of your bow, the movement of your pin, potentially trigger travel in your finger as you're trying to get that to, to, to go off, then 
um, there, there's too many variables and it's not instantaneous enough when you, when you do hit that trigger to where, when it fires and when it releases that it's, um, more erratic. Another thing I say is some people I'll see, they'll try to set their trigger super, super light to eliminate that. So as soon as they, as soon as they touch the trigger, it's gone. Well, the problem with that is they start to develop a fear. A lot of people do start to de- develop a fear with actually putting their finger on the trigger and the anticipation gets worse. When I try to introduce someone new to shooting or when I work with them on trying to get rid of that, I will immediately stiffen their trigger back up. Once they get back to full draw, as soon as they hit anchor, their finger is on the trigger. Their finger. I set the trigger light enough to where um, it, it's, it's not going to have a lot of travel, but it's stiff enough to where it's not going to go off just based off you putting your finger on it. In doing so, you you have introduced one less movement to your shot routine by your finger already being on the trigger. You're aiming through the process. And in many cases, once people can really start to execute a shot, whether you're squeezing with your back, whether you're making a fist and squeeze, whatever you're doing, whatever your process is, if your finger is already on the trigger, you're less likely to um, punch it is what, what people say. Uh, one of the terms. So I, I think that if you're having issues, consider that. Stiffen up your trigger. Try to go to a, a sear style that you can set tension, you can set travel, and you can get rid of some of those variables so that way it doesn't increase anxiety in your shot. Um, the last thing I'll say, if you're shooting something like a train-to-hunt event or it's hunting or something where you, you're you going to introduce a heavy heart rate or something that your your nerves are going to you know go through the roof, um, if you have a really, really light trigger, that also is a, a, can be a negative thing because if you're breathing hard and you accidentally get your finger too close to the trigger when you're not on target, you may have just missed. So that's where, like I said, I've, I've fallen back on a hinge. I shoot a hinge for just about everything, hunting, train to hunt style events, target. And it's because I've spent so much time with it. I'm more, most comfortable with it. I know how to manipulate the release to make it go off quickly in a hunting scenario if I need to. Otherwise, I'm trying to wait for that shot, that surprise shot on an animal where, you know, it's it's broadside, heads down, what have you, and I have time to squeeze off a perfect release because that's when I know I'm going to be most accurate. And I think that that is what is the key with release selection is you need to find what you are most accurate and most consistent with. Um you, at the at the risk of maybe losing something, you know, if I'm I'm more accurate with the hinge, but I know that if I have a moving target, even if it's a twenty yard walking deer, and I may not be able to take that shot because if it's moving too quickly, and I know that I can't know exactly when that shot's going to break off, and you know, leading a target, and that, you know, you you introduce too many variables. So there are things, there are drawbacks to everything. Um, in a perfect world, you know, if I had a, a command style, a trigger style release, that kind of shot probably wouldn't be an issue for me. But I know that in that event, when I need to squeeze off a good 60, 65, 70 yard shot on that animal that's, that's feeding and doesn't know I'm there, I'm going to be much more successful with the hinge. And that's me personally. If that's a pull through for you, then I encourage you to get as good as you can with that release and do that. Um, Matt, it, it's a great question. It's a very difficult answer, but there is nothing but time in front of you, my friend. So I suggest and encourage you to try as many different releases as you can. If you are very experienced with trigger control with rifle shooting, uh, I say I would encourage you to look into some of those nicer, higher-end releases. You may find what you want there. 
Secondly, like I said, if, if you want to put the time into learning a hinge, um, I would get up close at four or five yards and, and start playing with it. You know, you, you can set them with a click, you can set them without and, and just play with it. Just try it because that might be exactly that. That might be a little bit more comfortable to what you're used to. And that would be, I would say what is more common for competition shooting, uh, to get back to what your question was. So once again, there are no stupid questions or ignorant questions. Um, I hope I, I did a good enough job answering that from my perspective. Uh, I definitely want to pursue some more uh, very competitive shooters in the future and get their opinion on on release choice just because just like kinetic energy and arrow weight, it's a, it's a highly debated topic. It's There's not a right or wrong, but there's definitely value to other people's opinions. So we're going to go ahead and close off the episode with that. Once again, shout out to uh, Hoyt Archery, Mountain Ops. You said type in Alpha at checkout with Mountain Ops for a discount. Get a bonus gift from Maven at mavenbuilt.com for typing in Alpha gift. Subscribe to our newsletter. Look for our new t-shirt designs. If you do an early order, um, you get a few bucks off there. The shirts will ship towards the end of the month. And don't forget the Alpha Bow Hunting Challenge. Also, if you haven't checked out the Natural Born Hunter podcast, make sure you check it out. We have a lot of fun on that podcast, bring a lot of guests on there. And sometimes we get a little bit uh, off kilter and see a lot of squirrels and and just talk about a lot of random stuff. But it's a lot of fun. Check it out if you haven't listened already. Hope everybody has a great day. Talk to you later.